Hey there, 3M Coney fans. Big welcome in to the show on a Monday. Back-to-back days doing shows. We love it. We love doing it. Without a doubt, at the 3M Coney, Matt and I will certainly have an episode this week, preview, previewing this weekend's matchup. I think we should probably try to stick with the similar schedule we did last week because it brought such good luck and a victory for the Cincinnati Bengals. And it's just been such a relaxed Monday for me and a relaxed day. And I've kind of rolled into this and I said, hey, let's do another show. Let's make sure we get Russ Heltman from All Bengals, Sports Illustrated's All Bengals on the show. I mean, he's been breaking down, reading. He sent me a few exciting texts, which we'll get to a little later in the show. Uh, We don't want to spoil that for Russ, but he's got some interesting thoughts about next week's matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Russ, big win yesterday. Tried to get you on the live show immediately after the game, but you were um, popping out your three-down look. Um, The recap article on Sports Illustrated, which I recommend everybody check out. Why don't we start there, Russ? Break me down through your three downs, through your three main things, your big takeaways from the big-time win by the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday. Lucas, appreciate you having me on the show, my man. Of course, it was a game that you and I discussed last week as being must-win, not really for the season because there's not playoff-type aspirations necessarily, but for the era of Zach Taylor in congruence with Joe Burrow. And they went out there, got the job done, 33-25. My three downs after the game that I really keyed in on, number one, Alex Redmond balances Joe Mixon and the offense. And I left Joe Burrow out of there because I really – wanted to highlight Joe Mixon and his ability to make plays at all levels of the field. And and what I really loved was the fact that they brought in Alex Regman. He comes in basically off the street. I texted you last week. We discussed the, the kind of wrestling injury he was dealing with all off season, never able to really get going in camp and they ended up cutting him. They bring him back after nobody picks him up off the street, had to be uh, a little bit of a, a come to come to the, come to the higher power moment for uh, Alex Redman. He gets humbled a little bit. They bring him back in. They have no option from what everybody with two eyes saw last week, giving up eight sacks and just a, a turnstile with the right guard spot in Philadelphia. So Alex Redman comes in, and he played decent. I don't know exactly what the uh, – I haven't checked out the grades yet um, from the entire offensive line, but it was a much better performance just than the counting stats. Bengals overall only had Joe Burrow get sacked one time. He didn't lose any yards. It was more of just a kind of throwaway give-up sack as opposed to getting crunched in the backfield. And they also didn't allow many hits on the quarterback. Only five hits this week after giving up double digits against Philadelphia and just tracking towards a double-digit trend every week. Alex Redman really came in and, and stabilized them in that fashion. And then Joe Mixon, man, unbelievable. 25 carries, 151 yards, two touchdowns. He was really able to access the outside running game that has just really – just been terrible in, in one word, honestly, through the first four weeks of the season for the Bengals. They have not been able to bounce anything outside. And once Joe Mixon can get outside and get to the open field, we all know what kind of one-cut runner he is, arguably the best one-cut runner in the NFL. When he's able to stick that left foot in the ground, get up field, he just explodes into the third level, and it's tough to take him down. And it's a big reason why he scored two touchdowns on the ground, another through the air, his first three scores of the season. And I can attribute a lot of that to yeah. not necessarily 
Alex Redmond in particular. But the offensive but line. stabilization, yeah. Exactly. exactly. I mean, that whole unit was the key to the game in terms of the run game opening up. Now, I, I still see a universe, Russ, in which this game plays out. Offensive line's horrible again, but Joe Burrow is good enough to put up enough points in a come-from-behind 48-pass attempt type of game against the Jaguars. Maybe they could have won that way. But I thought it was really important that this offensive line had some success to create at least some momentum. However, is this just the Jaguars? This defensive line was a bad unit coming into this game. That's why you and I thought it was a must-win matchup. I I just think that maybe the offensive line, thankfully it's good enough to beat bad defensive lines, but I'm still really worried about this unit, Russ. I don't know if you are against any, even a competent defensive line or even a bad defensive line with one star pass rusher. I'm still worried about those type of units against this Bengals O-line. It's a great point, Lucas. Josh Allen, defensive end for the Jaguars, went out in this game. He didn't play a full load of snaps, and that's obviously their best pass rushing talent overall. And, and the defensive line is nothing to write home about. They're in the bottom third of most uh, counting stats in terms of pass rush and pass rush productivity league wide. They're not going to be uh, they're not going to be scaring any offensive lines. But what this does do is creates confidence for the offensive line. It creates a baseline performance that they can build off of. And they now know the, the biggest part of the offensive line is knowing who's going to be there each and every week, knowing that you're going to have five guys that you can rely on. It's a rare thing in the NFL because of the injury rate in the trenches, but it's really, really important. It's very positive impact on your team, on your offense as a whole, if you know you can rely on those five guys. Now they have that and Alex Redmond, and it's just it's amazing how much more efficient the offense was with competent offensive line play, man. Joe Burrow a couple weeks ago was averaging right around five yards per attempt, up to 8.3 in this game, first rookie ever to throw for 300 yards three consecutive times. And like I mentioned with Joe Mixon, I found this stat from, uh, from Pro Football Reference. He's just the fifth player in the last decade to total 150 yards on the ground, 30 receiving yards, two-plus touchdowns, and a receiving touchdown. Only other guys to do that in the last 10 years, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey, Le'Veon Bell, and funny enough, Darren McFadden. That's a pretty good group to be a part of, and it all came from offensive line stabilization. Now, I will get to my second point here. My second down was Burrow and company finding the big plays. Lucas, coming in this game, Cincinnati had just four explosive plays through the first three weeks of the season, plays that went that were com- completed plays 20-plus yards, gained on the field any plays like that it was just a slog getting that ball into the end zone or anywhere near the goal line seven explosives against Jacksonville on Sunday something clicked they finally got it rolling it was whether it was Mixon coming out of the backfield on that screen play or him making plays in the second level in the rushing attack uh funny enough there weren't any completed 20 plus yard passes by Burrow he went over over seven in that respect but he was lights out in the middle of the field, man. From what I from what I saw and from what NFL, NFL Next Gen has, he did not have a incomplete pass in between ten to twenty yards of the field. That's where you make your money in the NFL, and he clearly showed that ability on Sunday. Yeah, where you make your money is the ten to twenty yards, and where you win MVPs is down the field. So there you go. All it takes is Joe Burrow clicking in that area of the game and having a really good year at it. He's just not like one of these natural arm talent guys like Patrick Mahomes 
or one of these natural arm talent guys like Russell Wilson. I mean, he's got a beautiful arm and, and an amazing arm talent. But Pat is just back there fitting it into... I mean, it's just it's it's a different game that Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson are playing right now. Now, will Joe Burrow be able to progress to be as efficient statistically as they are? Yes, but it's going to look like Tom Brady. It's going to look like Peyton Manning. It's not going to look like that. There's going to be moments and flashes of that you know, the rollout play against Philadelphia or some of these crazy rollout plays like he had against Cleveland. It's going to look athletic and crisp. It's just, but it's a modern version of Brady and Manning. It's not going to be Mahomes and Wilson. And I think that's that's an important piece to remember. Now, Russ, I want to make sure we get through this before we move on. Have you gone through all three of your downs or was that just two? That was just two right there. And uh, Hit us with that go. third one, stats, yeah. actually. The, the raw stats real quick with Joe Burrow, 10 to 20 yards uh, uh, of the field from all three levels. Three for three to the left side, four for four to the middle of the field, and three for five to the right side for right around 180, 190 yards. So, bam, he was uh, cash and checks in that part of the field. Third down here from that article, everybody can check it out, at SI All Bengals. You can find it on my Twitter feed, at Russ Heltman. Jesse Bates had to give a nod to the defense here. Who, Love it. Gave up a lot of yards, but it was the classic bend, don't break, Lucas. And it was the epitome of modern defense uh, in this this time in the NFL. Just making sure you don't give up too many big plays and you make a couple turnovers happen at timely at timely uh, at timely points in the ball game, and you can set up your your astounding rookie quarterback who's played so well so consistently through the first three weeks to have success. Bates was unbelievable. Made three game changing plays. Had the and impossibly well-timed uh, pass defense on uh, on the first drive of the game of, of Gardner Minshew led to an interception by Jordan Evans. He also led the team in tackles with 10, made plays at the line of scrimmage. It's, it usually don't want safety to lead your uh, team in tackles, but did make a couple plays that were very well done at the line of scrimmage, had a tackle for loss. And he finished the game tied for second in the league with five passes defended on the season. So he is playing at a Pro Bowl level, and he's obviously going to be a guy that the Bengals try to target with an extension this offseason. Hey, man, I, I think I like Lou, and I, I don't know if I'm risky for saying that, but I, watching that defense last year on the back half, I mean, this is such a talent-dry unit, even still at the linebacking core, and that's my the worry. corners for, are stripped away right now, too, man. Yeah. Like, it, no Trey Waynes, no Mackenzie Alexander. It's, it's tough sledding for that yeah, unit. You didn't have those guys last year either. And you, you had a even worse personnel a year ago. And they were bad a year ago. But they put together some good situational performances, you know, down the stretch of the season. That It, it, it feels like they're a defense trending in the right direction and have been since the 0-11 start last year. Really, since the 0-8 start. The defense kind of clicked after then. And people were calling for Lou's job, Lou's job, and Lou was the least of my worries in terms of who's got to go. Now, if they would have given up, you know, 45 points to the Jaguars, then I understand those questions. But to me, the defense, without Geno Atkins out there too, without Mackenzie Alexander, without Trey Waynes, the fact that they're going to be at minimum league average in DVOA after this week, that's all credit. Um, to, that's all credit to Lou. Lou Lou gets all that credit. Lou's the guy that I'm going to say, hey, I think he can be the defensive coordinator of this team for the next couple of years. 
at this stat, Lucas, the uh, the Bengals held opponents to less than eight, uh, 90 yards rushing, held the Jaguars to 89 yards rushing. It was the first time they've done that since 2016. Or excuse me, the fourth time they've done that since 2016. So averaging about one of those performances a season. And since 2000, the Bengals are 40-4 and four winning record in those games. It's really all about stopping the run for lose defense, which they finally did a good job of on Sunday after allowing 181 yards per game coming into the contest. See, my thing is they did it situationally. Lou had well-timed, well-timed run blitzes, good schemes and situations to where they get a third. They adjusted too. Exactly. At the half, which was very, very key. They came out of that locker room, uh, forced two quick punts by the Jaguars. And it wasn't like it was the defensive line, you know, just kind of throwing out the game plan, pinning their ears back and going after Gardner. Lou, Lou and that defensive uh, backfield coaching staff drew up some nice coverages. Minshew was confused. He was holding on to the ball for four to five seconds and uh, suffered a couple coverage sacks. So that was big, big uh, time coaching uh, impact that Lou had coming out of the locker room. And because of it, the Bengals were able to score real quick and take control of the game immediately coming out of the second half, uh, second half adjustments. So that's something this coaching staff has not shown a lot of. And we need to see more of, especially starting this weekend against Baltimore. Without a doubt. And the Jaguars, it's that's just a team you need to beat. But at least we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, yesterday, Russ, I looked through the schedule. Because remember, we weren't looking at the schedule. Not at all. But I looked at the schedule. And after I saw the performance against the Jaguars, I went through the schedule and I found every defense like the Jaguars. Where they have a pass rush that just doesn't scare you. And I guess maybe Washington's pass rush could scare you a little bit. And maybe I'm disrespecting Washington a little bit. But I just think the Bengals have such a big quarterback advantage in that one that that they're going to win that game. I think they're going to beat Washington. They're going to beat the Giants. They're going to beat the Dolphins. And the Cowboys, they're they're not going to be able to stop Joe Burrow unless they get their act together by the end of the season, which I frankly don't see. Um, This is the type of year. That's a whole other podcast right there. This is the type of year where bad teams that fall off at the beginning of the season and lose any amount of hope or bad units, with no crowd, man, I could see teams really getting in bad ruts and riding those out. You know, because how many times in week 13, you just have 50,000 people there and you say, hey, screw it, let's play. Let's play good. You know, let's put together a game plan. It doesn't matter that we're four and, you know, seven and out of the playoff race. But this year... If you're out of the playoff race and you've got a bad unit, hurt talent, pandemic, barely any fans in the stands, I'm not sure if units are going to get better. But that's a whole other whole other thing. You're exactly right. But to me, yesterday, I look at that and say, all right, those four games I'm going to put down as wins to me. And I think the floor for this Bengals team, now that we've seen they can beat the Jaguars, Russ, what do you feel like this the floor of this team is now? I, to me, it's at five or six wins is the floor, which is where I was at before the season. But I feel even more secure in that take now that they're going to at least get to five or six wins this year. Well, uh, with with uh, everything looking forward, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough to project, especially with what we got a doubleheader on Monday Night Football yeah, tonight. So with, with no maybe Cam they only Newton, play 14. So, yeah, exactly. Who knows how many how many games actually get played. Hopefully all six teams get, uh, get contested, but I don't know. I, I still feel pretty firm with my five and 11, six and 10 prediction. I, I, I said five and 11 before the season, the, the lack of talent displayed by Houston 
is making me worried about that prediction a little bit in Dallas as well. Those two games I thought before the year were going to be very difficult for the Bengals, young coaching staff, rookie quarterback, to uh, have to go on the road to Houston and win or uh, or even beat Dallas at home. So those are looking a lot more like 50-50 coin flips. And I'm kind of with you at this point. As a guy that's watched this team intently over the last month, I am wowed by Joe Burrow. And when you have a player who is cooking at the level that he is at right now, that is in full control of the game at this level so early on into his career with no preseason, no limited practice time really at the beginning of the year, no offseason program. It's just really impressive what he's been able to do. And once again, can they run the football and stop the run? going to be a big test this weekend it's going to it's a real massive gauge they get the old gauge meter out on both of those abilities and see what they can do but I'm I'm kind of with you at this point five to six wins feels like the floor if they don't get the five to six wins with how well Joe Burrow is playing a top 12 level player basically in the eyes of PFF throughout the first quarter of the season then it's uh it's going to point to a lot bigger issues in other places well, you mentioned top 12, top 15, and I almost went out on a limb this week, Russ, on yesterday's show because I was excited. But I said, no, 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 let's see him against the Ravens because I think when you take a peek at the Cincinnati Bengals schedule, they have, after they play the Ravens, they will have played every type of team in the NFL. They'll have played the decently talented middle-of-the-road team in the Chargers. They'll have played the bad team of the Jaguars. They'll have played the cross-conference, maybe middle-of-the-road, a little bad team in the Eagles. And they've played probably a playoff team in the Browns. And now they get to play the elite team, at least in most people's eyes at this point, in the Ravens with the defending MVP, Lamar Jackson, and a team that went 14-2 and last year. So this, to me, will complete the first, you know, the midterm exams if you will, for Joe Burrow. Five games coming out of it, played all different types of opponents with all different types of strengths, different types of coaching styles, and you'll have a five-game little run there. My question to you, though, is what will he have to do over this entire season? Because I might start making predictions that he's a top-10 guy if they go do something crazy at Baltimore. But what do you think needs to happen statistically, record-wise, narrative-wise for Joe Burrow to be considered a top 10 NFL quarterback consensus around the league heading into 2021? What has to happen for us to be saying, hey, Bengals, no doubt, top 10 quarterback? Let's see, I'd, I'd say something like 9-7 and seven this season. Somehow they win those both those games against Houston. And Dallas, they win both the games that you didn't know what they were going to be coin flip-wise before the season, but Washington and New York look like they should be very winnable games. So does Miami. So it's there's a path there to 9-7. And, and if he puts up 4,500 4, yards, 4,300 4, yards, shatters Jameis Winston's rookie passing yard record, shatters the, the touchdown record, which he's, he's not necessarily on, on full pace for right now, but he's he's trending that way in, in terms of his play so far. And I'd say, I don't know, man, just have a couple more moments. He's had some moments so far. He's made those wild plays, but he hasn't really done it on a big stage, which obviously you can't control that. So have more moments, keep, keep building the kind of narrative 
similarly, similarly to what we've seen Josh Allen do through the first month of his season with his ascension into the national conversation. If, if Joe Burrow starts leading this team on four or five game winning streaks and keeps this 300 yard passing streak up, which by the way is incredible, three straight games with 300 plus yards through the air for a rookie, then it's going to be hard to ignore him being at least a top 15, top 12 guy and trending towards top 10. Yeah, I think if he finishes with the exact same statistical profile that he's trending for now, 24 to 28 Mm -hmm. touchdowns, less than 10 picks, 4 to 4,500 yards, and a 65% completion, pair that with a 7-8-1 record in this division with, well, no, they need 8-7-1 maybe, 8-7-1 with a win on Monday night against Pittsburgh. That's the moment you're talking about, Russ. That's, That's right. The game. I said nine and seven, and it's it's a there's a tie. Yeah, in there. there's a tie in there. Right. Whatever. Eight, it's seven. the worst thing every year, Lucas. Every four years <laughs> as a Bengals fan, we get a tie that we got to deal with when talking about our, talking about the team. Yeah, man. It's crazy. Eight, eight, seven, and one. Whatever. Eight, seven, and one to me with a win against Pittsburgh on Monday night, like some crazy performance by the rookie. You know, maybe breaks the rookie. Like you know, just gets close and makes headlines on a Monday night game late in the season against a good Steelers team, even if the Bengals finish fourth in this division, which they could be eight. You know what the dream is, Russ? This is the dream to me. Eight, seven, and one Bengals somehow get the seventh seed as the fourth place team in the AFC North. Probably not going to happen, but, you know, let's let's play the game. Eight, seven, and one, fourth place in the AFC North, seventh seed, make it into the postseason. Joe Burrow, Rookie of the Year, breaks the rookie touchdown record. He's considered a top 10 guy. Bengals go into 2021, spending free agent money, good draft again, fix some holes on this staff, head into 2021, full offseason of Joe Burrow, new weapons, new free agents, new draft picks, and the Bengals coming off an 8-7-1 and a playoff year would get a fourth-place schedule in a year that the schedule matters even more as we move to 17 games. That, to me, is and the dream. And fans back in the stands. And, Hopefully. oh, my gosh. That will be, every game would be sold out. If the kids 8-7-1 and one and win on Monday night against Pittsburgh, considered consensus top 10 quarterback around the league, you got a fourth-place schedule coming up. I mean, Bengals might roll into next season as division <laughs> favorites. I mean, that's seriously, that is the best-case scenario I've, I've dreamt about in my head as a Bengals It kind of sounds crazy when you say it, Lucas, but then when you sit and think, this guy has been flawless. Flawless. Burrow has been unbelievable. And when you have a player that is unbelievable, it's kind of timely with old Billy O'Brien getting fired today. All you got to do is just give him the keys. Don't take the keys away, like trading DeAndre Hopkins from, uh, from the Texans to the Cardinals, like old Billy did. You just give him the keys, let him drive the car. That's what Burrow's been doing for the first month of the season. Obviously, one, two, and one, you'd love the record to be better. But it has not been because Joe Burrow hasn't performed when asked. Obviously, Zach Taylor's still with some stuff to prove. But man, through the first four weeks, if you listen to you know guys who really know how to break down film, you and I watch film, but I'd say we're like C plus to B minus students at film watching. You know the guys that yeah, are I, I, even that. I'd say I'm a solid like C. Yeah, you know, whatever. I'm not not at the level of like a real true. No, not that anyone that hasn't played is, but I'm not at the level of someone grinding. We're we're not grinding 30 hours, 40 hours a week. Yeah, no. But the guys that really watch film love Joe Burrow. I mean, they love this kid. They they genuinely 
love this kid. And the, the stuff he's put on tape through the first four weeks has everybody freaking out. Because it's not... The thing about it is, and the thing that I've always said, and I've been telling Bengals fans since this kid was up to be the number one overall pick, and why I was demanding we draft him, is because the top 20 skills he has, the top 20 things that people are impressed with, are all things that people want their quarterbacks to get better at. He needs to be better at play action. How many times does Mitchell Trubisky have just horrendous play action fakes? Looks like he's not even trying. We want a guy that can command the huddle. We want a guy that's a leader. We want a guy that's not nervous, under pressure. We want a guy who's addicted to preparation. We want a guy who's not going to care whether he threw an interception or not. A guy with confidence but not cockiness. A guy to be the face of the franchise. I mean, he checked every box outside of throwing the ball, and then he starts throwing the ball around, and you're like, damn, this kid's really good. Really, really good. And, and, and that's why it was just can't miss to me. I mean, it was can't miss. This should have been predictable, and I, I felt like this was what was going to happen. I thought he was the best rookie since Andrew Luck. I said it multiple times. And at this pace, is there really an argument? that he isn't the best rookie since Andrew Luck? I think by the end of this year, that's certainly going to be the conversation. Was Joe Burrow the best rookie since Andrew Luck? Because throwing for 300 yards in three straight games, Elway didn't do it. Marino didn't do it. Peyton Manning didn't do it his rookie year. RG3 didn't do it his rookie year. Andrew Luck didn't do it his rookie year. Baker Mayfield, who had one of the best rookie seasons, didn't do it. Nobody did it except Joe Burrow. That's it. That's the list. And we can call it, oh, well, you know, modern era of passing or or whatever BS you want to use. But this kid did it with no offensive line, a below average running game because of the offensive line, an aging wide receiver on a franchise tag who looks like about 5% of himself, and a rookie wideout, no OTAs, no training camp, well, mixed training camp, Zoom calls, whoever would have thought that's the thing, and he goes out there and does it. It's one of the more impressive things we've seen from a rookie quarterback since Andrew Luck. And to me, that's historic, and I think the kid is only going to get better the more he sees defenses. My worry is, Russ, that he's close to his ceiling because I can't imagine how much better he's going to get. Well, well, how much better does he really need to get, though? (laughs) We we can't ask him. You can't ask him if for people, anybody surrounding the Bengals, or they cover the team, you're a fan, you're just you're just a follower from the Joe Burrow fun hype train at LSU. You can't ask this guy to go out there and beat Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson right now. No, but he's only 23. There's so much more time to continue to learn, continue to grow his game, and he's really it's basically been he's he's just been kind of spoon fed stuff, not necessarily force or he's been force fed stuff instead of spoon fed. Because of the the time frame, the timeline he's gone through with the with the COVID preparations and not having any avenue to get himself fully prepared as normal, like any rookie quarterback in the NFL would. So there's there's I think a a lot of room to grow still there, and it's it's up to the Bengals to grow with him now. That's the biggest thing. Can they can they make this past performance on Sunday a franchise culture building? moment can they make that a fulcrum for when they said we stopped the losing we stopped the one score losses we stopped shooting ourselves in the foot 
when Drew Sample coughed up that interception that I wish they could I wish they could uh, give away and assign interceptions on regular stat sheets to the players that actually have it at their fault because Joe Burrow shouldn't have gotten assigned an interception there. Uh, anyway, Drew Sample loses on the 50-50 ball and uh, gets it taken from Miles Jack, and everybody's thinking, man, this is it. Same old Bengals driving down on the red zone. They're yeah, you texted me. You were like, another... this is horrible, man, because I was at yeah. work for the per- first little for yep. the first quarter, and you texted me, this is horrible. What yep. I watched Same wasn't old horrible. Bengals. I turned the game yeah, on. They yeah, played right, great. <laughs> right when you right when you started watching, they they turned it up. But it's just, it, it's the same old Bengals, yada yada yada. They're going to go down, give up a touchdown there, and the game will be over. They'll be playing from behind. Burrow will get hit, but no, they turned the tide. They said enough is enough, and they they plug the hole in the rushing attack for the opposing team, and they got Joe Mixon going. Finally, you get your twelve million dollar running back consistent touches this is a guy that needs to get the football 20 to 25 to 30 times a game and that's exactly what happened on sunday had six catches 25 carries 31 total touches for 181 yards that's special and that's why you pay 12 million dollars a year for special got to utilize it especially this week against baltimore lucas who yes is three and one yes is leading the division, you know, Lamar Jackson reigning MVP, but box scores and, and just raw numbers on the uh, on the old ticker coming across the scoreline, don't tell the whole story of that team, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that game, because you talk about fulcrums, you talk about turning points, you talk about momentum, boy. This could be one, man. And you talk about storylines for this kid being considered a top 10 quarterback. If the Bengals go out as 13.5-point dogs to open the week on the road in Baltimore and pull an upset, which... Biggest I, dog of the week. Biggest dog of the week. I, I, I don't think they're going to win. And I'll tell you why I don't think they're going to win. I, I think that... I've watched... <laughs> I, I just... I've watched Jermaine Pratt and that group play for a long time. And, uh, you know, Josh Bynes just isn't going to tackle Lamar Jackson. The dude's going to go off for another 130 yards on the ground. If they were smart, they'd run triple option. He didn't get any chances option. to tackle him next, last year, Lucas, because he was on the Ravens, so he was wearing that red jersey. I know, but Josh Bynes is not going to – I don't think he's going to tackle him, man. This that's, is my yeah, worry. That's kind of my point. Is, is, yeah. So, yeah. you know, because you have an interesting thought about this game, and you have not really – you sent me some texts about it, but I texted you right away. I said, just do it on the show. So I haven't really dove into your arguments yet. But you have some points about this game. My worry is all your points in my eyes I'm going to agree with, but they're going to be negated by the fact that I think the defending MVP is going to go off for 160 yards on the ground. I mean, they could run Navy's offense and probably chew the clock and run for 400 yards. So that's what that's my worry and why I think the Bengals are going to lose this week. And Joe Burrow is going to have a valiant performance, but the Ravens' defense is pretty good in my eyes. I just... I, I understand why it's 13.5 points. I think the Bengals will cover, but I, I'm not sure this week is a win. Why do you think that maybe, just maybe, the Bengals shouldn't be such big underdogs? They should not be double digits, Lucas, first of all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Joe Burrow, through his young career four games in, has not lost against the spread. Is 3-0-1 against the closing number so far in 2020. He's uh, just become Joey Covers all of a sudden. And the Ravens, the offense, I don't think has the mustard to cover 13 and a half points. Now, I, I texted you. I said, maybe I, I had a kind of a 
kind of an out, out of left field thought, just just rambling a little bit. Maybe they could win. I'm not there yet after thinking about it. it I'm not ready to make that <laughs> prediction. But Joe oh, Burrow man. should cover this number. I would be yeah. – anybody listening to this, if you're in a legal area, hopping on the bandwagon earlier in the week and getting to this before it gets closer to 12, 11 points because almost 14 points, two touchdowns, for a team in the Ravens that has dropped off significantly from their 20, 2019 scoring totals and, and offensive output, they're seventh in scoring down from number uh, number one in scoring in 2019, 25th in total yards with 341 per game. They're fourth in rushing after being number one in rushing, and they're number 19 on third down conversion rate after being second in 2019, 22nd in the red zone as well after being second in red zone in 2019. So the team is not operating at a high level. No, but even if you think the Ravens are significantly better than the Bengals, I would be terrified of the Joe Burrow backdoor cover. Ravens up up 17 late. Burrow's got six minutes. Ravens play prevent. He just chip-chopped down the field, has over 300 yards again, and gets a cheap touchdown, and the Ravens win 30-20. to I mean, you really want to lose a bet like that? To me, that that plus 13.5 is really juicy. Really juicy. What is, has Burrow converted on every? What has it been one? Has, it been, has there been one two minute conversion where he has not converted points or converted a chance? To, it was the first, obviously, two minute drive of the fourth quarter of his career that they didn't get points. But other than that, I can't remember one where he has not led to a field goal or a touchdown. The yeah, the only one was a half. missed field goal at the half when he's gotten the ball. I'd have to double check to see exactly what the touchdown rate was because it's, it's now no I'm going more off than memory. Two. It's no more than two where they haven't scored any points. And it's probably just one. And it was the missed field goal, I believe. So, mm-hmm. Bengals have been great. He's been great in uh, key situations. They're 19th in offense right now, 16th in defense. I mean, what's the formula for a win, though? See, I'm thinking the formula for a win in this game is, oh, gosh, please let John Harbaugh have some hubris this week. And look at the Joe Burrow tape and just think that, oh, man, they're just not covering the intermediate stuff with this rookie. They're worried that he can throw deep. I don't think he can throw deep in the NFL. And well, they're going to blitz him, Lucas. They're going to blitz him heavy. Oh. That's what Harbaugh is going to do. That's what Wink Martindale loves to do with young quarterbacks. That's what they tried to do against Mahomes last week. Obviously, that was a mistake. Uh, seeing as he had one of the best uh, deep balls of his career to make Cole Hardman. Yeah, is, is the Mahomes-Chiefs formula, is that the way to beat the Ravens? <laughs> I think. No, but seriously, okay, you're not Mahomes and the Chiefs, but you're coming off a game where you scored on seven straight drives. Yes. Outside of the first half against the Chargers, the offense has moved pretty much at will other than the couple offensive line collapses. So if Alex Redman... Listen, we're just going to have to eat the two holding penalties and the false start that Redmond's going to bring to the table every game because that's better than getting Joe Burrow killed. Trust me. Having a 20 yards a game taken away from you by Alex Redmond will save you years on Joe Burrow's career. And allow and Joe Burrow can get those yards back. Yeah, and allow Joe He's Mixon to run at least that. a little bit. And I think that was a, a rookie mistake by Zach Taylor because he's looking at the analytics of it and the, oh, man, those penalties are so killer. Alex just has too many of those penalties, too many of those penalties. But sometimes you're just going to have to take the penalties from a guy because on the other plays, he's pretty good. And I think they kind of saw the light with Alex, and he's just going to need to sit in there. Let's take the false starts, the holdings, whatever. He's a better guard than all the other options you've thrown out there. 
and until Xavier gets back. And it'll be good enough-ish, right? The Bengals just need to keep Joe below 60 sacks. Once you get above 60 sacks, historically, it's pretty hard to make the postseason. Only one guy has done it. I believe it was Deshaun Watson. Might have been Ken O'Brien as well back in the 80s. Did it with 62 sacks. Outside of that, though... Outside of that, though, 60-plus sacks ain't going to do it if you want to be near a playoff team. 50 to 60, a lot more examples of playoff teams. And if you get below 50, plenty, plenty of examples of guys in the 40-sack numbers that had 10 and 6, 11 and 5, 12 and 4 years in the NFL. So if this O-line can figure it out-ish, this this offense is going to be really good. This offense will be top 10 in the NFL because Joe Mixon is going to run for a high yards per carry if you block for them competently, and the Bengals are going to put up points. So I think they have a potentially, in certain circumstances, maybe an elite offense. And if Joe Burrow can, for just one week, go 4 for 7 on those 20-plus yard balls instead of 0 for 7, as he did this week, that's how they beat the Ravens. If Joe Burrow has a 400-yard day and takes the top off and the Bengals play from ahead, they'll win the game. But the problem Mm -hmm. is... Are you sure that's going to happen? And it has to happen early because my feeling in this game is Bengals offense is going to need a time to adjust. Ravens are going to have a scheme they have to adjust to. And this happens at Joe Burrow games. They stall on the first two drives, and then they make the adjustment. But Lamar Jackson's had two seven-minute drives with 60 yards rushing in each of them, and the Ravens are up 14-0, and you can pretty much forget about it. That's my worry on this game. I think the first quarter... More than any of the other Bengals games, the first quarter will most likely determine the outcome. And that's been the story of the Ravens all year. That's been the story of the Ravens since Lamar Jackson took over as the starter. Do you have the lead at half? If you do, you're probably going to win. If you don't, you're probably going to lose. I, I, I think that's the only path to victory for Cincinnati, Russ. Five for 11 on third down were the Ravens. They only had 18 first downs against Washington, Lucas. The thing the Bengals have to do is, like you said, the exact formula that KC had on Sunday night. You have to come at them early, come at them heavy, go for it on fourth down on the first drive. If it's anything, I'm, I'd go on the limb and say, if you're the Bengals at 1-2-1 two, and one against a team you're favored to lose by 14 points against. Go for it. I'd be going for yeah. it. Uh, anything inside of five yards. Anything inside of five yards. I'd be going for it. If you're... Obviously not if you're on the your own thirty yard line, but you, you get what I'm saying. Forty, and your own forty five and beyond for sure. Your exactly. own forty five and you beyond. Go. You have to be aggressive. Randy Bullock should not be coming out on the field unless he's kicking extra points, and that's how you have to handle this game. If they can shorten this game up and force the Ravens to get out of their rushing attack, which they have been very quick to do under Greg Roman, it's the best rushing attack in the NFL. Honestly, I read off those stats, but let's be honest, it's the most, it's the scariest rushing attack in the league. And they oftentimes get away from it too quickly in games that they find themselves trailing by 10 plus points early on it. So the Bengals can find some way to do that and, and, and send somebody out there once again, whoever got that deferral against Jacksonville, keep them rolling on that kickoff, coin toss, because that's going to be a huge thing for the Bengals as well. A lot of things obviously have to break right. Cincinnati but like I said Washington yes they lost 31-17 but if they have any quarterback in there that is a little bit more confident than Dwayne Haskins which I know that Joe Burrow can be 
then they are right in that game at the end. They ran 14 more plays. They had the same amount of drives as Baltimore, but converted more first downs. And I just think the, there is a path there for the Bengals to make this very competitive. I would be shocked if they lost by more than two, two touchdowns. And Bengals fans, that's what having a great quarterback does. All you are is a kickoff return, a pick six, a weird fumble day away from winning in any matchup, no matter how bad your talent disadvantage is. Mm-hmm. And, and the Bengals, I think, can go, like Joe Burrow is going to be able to convert better than 4-13 on third down, I think, in this game. So that's the key here. If they can stay on the field on third down, keep Lamar Jackson off, and just continue to keep the pressure on that offense, keep them, out, keep them in their own game plan, that's the key. Headline on Monday, if the Bengals win, for me is, will Joe Burrow be the best quarterback, or is Joe Burrow already the best quarterback in the AFC North? Question mark. Sports talk segment on Monday. If they beat the Ravens, that will be the conversation. If they beat the Ravens and Lamar's got 180 passing yards again, Joe Burrow's got four touchdowns, 375, something nuts. That's going to be the storyline. Dude, listen, people turn quick on playoff duds. If you don't have success in the postseason and you're not putting things on paper the next regular season, a la Carson Wentz, for for example, a la Bill O'Brien, he was just in the playoffs, but 0-4, adios, right? People turn on you quick. Lamar doesn't have any room anymore. He doesn't have any insurance. He doesn't have any comeback wins. I mean, he might have one on paper, but not any legitimate comebacks that are of coming to mind at all. So there's real questions about whether this guy can be a winning postseason NFL quarterback. And if Joe Burrow upsets them when they're 13.5-point favorites and outplays them, I mean... I would come out and say, man, I would rather have Joe Burrow in five years than Lamar Jackson. I might not say for tomorrow, but in five years, without a doubt. So that's what's on the line, I think, this weekend. Russ, we're coming near our time. We went about 10 minutes over what we said, but a lot of Bengals talk, so it was a blast. I appreciate you calling in. We got to make this uh, hopefully a weekly thing here, man. Love to do it. Love to do it, my man. It's uh, It actually works out because on Mondays, I usually have the day off, so there you go. I can slide into the 3 a.m. Coney slot on Mondays. Yeah, we'd love to carve it out and make it a weekly thing. But we'll see. If they lose pretty bad on Sunday, maybe we won't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> after a win, we're like, yeah, yeah, content after a win. Feed it, man. Feed it. Don't ever stop it. But, I, you know, my early prediction, and subject to change, Coney fans, subject to change, my early prediction for the Bengals-Ravens is 34-24. Uh, backdoor cover uh, for Joe Burrow. I just don't see us... I see us maybe hanging around for a half, but I think if the Ravens are smart, they run it 45 times for six and a half yards a pop. Because uh, I still don't trust this linebacking unit. Geno Atkins possibly back this week. So now, that's something to keep an eye on. That Although, changes who, something, what is but... He really gonna, what is he really going to give you after a month off? Well, I don't know, but like, will he be on a pitch count? And I don't know. I haven't seen Geno, and God, I don't trust that he'll actually be back this week. So maybe Logan Wilson's back. Maybe that helps, but I don't. Is he going to be able to tackle Lamar Jackson? I just we can't tackle Lamar Jackson. I've been saying. No, the Bengals linebackers did not do a great job in the first meeting of 2019. So it's oh my God, we remember that play. The the highlight, highlight reel that will live in infamy. His MVP highlight play forever and ever for the 2-14 and 14 Bengals.
poor. I was, I was talking about moments with Joe Burrow, Lucas. That was a, that was what you would have described as a moment for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Before we head out of the podcast, I quickly want to shout out uh, my buddy Chris. And Russ, you'd find this cool. Um, back where we grew up in Springfield, Ohio, Chris is a friend from high school. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals used to come to local South High School, which actually no longer exists. It's actually, fun fact, it's a building now that's a historical building, but it's a campus for students because John Legend invested money for them to build an advanced campus for the city schools. So if you want to do STEM, you go to the old historic South High School funded by John Legend, who's from Springfield, to do it. So that's a weird fact. But before, they used to have um, basketball games at the old North High School. And the Cincinnati Bengals would send a couple stars and then a bunch of practice squad guys to play against the local police and fire department in a basketball game. And that would always happen in Springfield during the offseason. So I had some signed stuff from that, but my buddy Chris, he had a signed hat, Ray Malaluga, and we're trying to figure out who the other signature is. It was circa 2008, number 34 maybe. I haven't really been able to find it, but... Shout out to Chris. Big thanks for the hat. It's a really dope addition uh, to the Bengals collection. And uh, yeah, man, the, the Bengals players were pretty dominant in basketball against our poor uh, local fire department. It was yeah, not. Yeah, gotta love that. Gotta love them giving back to the community. One, uh, one quick, uh, quick fix that I got to make here. The Bengals didn't win that coin toss because they, it was their fourth consecutive coin toss loss. But, but they still got the deferment because so. the Jaguars took the ball. Yes. Well, however, and. You get uh, it. and However we get it, you'll take it. And my last bit here, coming closing out, first time, this would be a Jay Morris, and he found this great nugget for the athletic. First time since 2018, weeks four and five of 2018, that the Bengals have not lost, or have not lost a game yeah. in consecutive weeks, have not gone a two-week span without losing a game. So just, uh, you remember that time, Lucas, that, that sham of a, a four and one start by the Bengals. Oh yeah, man. it was thrilling. Sim- man. Simpler times back in 2018. Simpler times. Thrilling. I told you that everybody was going to like this tie. I told you that was what was going to happen once you beat the Jaguars. Everybody's like, "Oh, we tied," and then after the tie, hey, we've got an unbeaten streak. We're only one, two, and one. <laughs> hey, we, you know, Any we way should you can be frame two it, and you'll two. Take it. I knew that was the framing. Everybody just needed to calm down. We just needed to beat the Jaguars. That was the focus of the week. That was the goal. Bengals took the same attitude too. They had the great week of practice. They get the win. We've got to roll out here, Russ. We're pushing fifty minutes. That's Russ Heltman, SI Bengals reporter. Always appreciate him coming on the show. We're going to head out. 3 a.m. Coney. Thanks for listening. Who day, baby?